Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Antigua and Barbuda look to the diaspora and beyond to address nursing shortage. United States donates two field hospitals to St. Kitts and Nevis. UN Security Council to meet on Haiti. U.S. Virgin Islands government received grants to purchase electric vehicles. And contaminated site in Puerto Rico could get special status. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, October 14. We start our report today in Antigua and Barbuda. Antigua Newsroom reports that the government of Antigua and Barbuda is planning to address the shortage of nurses in the country by recruiting nationals, both those who reside on the island and abroad, along with foreign nationals from friendly countries to fill the gaps. Prime Minister Gaston Brown made the declaration during an appearance on the Grenada Broadcasting Network Beyond the Headlines this past week. Our health care workers, they're strained. They have had to treat COVID patients for the last 19 months. And one of the problems we have within the OECS subregion is that we don't have enough health care professionals. Our health care services and professionals have been actually supplemented with Cuban nurses, but even Cuba itself is stretched in terms of providing nurses to the region. Antigua and Barbuda, like much of the Caribbean, has long been subject to a migration pattern that sees nurses moving to territories like Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom in search of better paying jobs and greater benefits. Cuba, Antigua and Barbuda's longtime ally, is now having to hold back on its support for friendly countries as it deals with the impact of the pandemic. After providing medical personnel to assist with emergencies across the world for many years. With that additional hurdle in the way, Brown pointed to other potential sources that could provide the personnel needed, at least in the short term. We're now seeking to import nurses, possibly from India. We have approached the government of India to assist us in getting some nurses here. We're even looking within the diaspora to try and attract Antiguans in the diaspora who have nursing experience and who are available to return here, even temporarily. And we're also employing retired nurses. In the more long-term solution to the issue, the government of Antigua and Barbuda has pledged to remove the limit on the number of nurses that can be trained annually and to work closely with the University of the West Indies Five Islands Campus to establish an international nursing program. My View News reports that the United States donated two 40-bed field hospitals, one to each island of the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis, during a handover ceremony on October 13th. The U.S. Ambassador to St. Kitts and Nevis joined Prime Minister Timothy Harris virtually for the handover. 
a tour of one of the hospitals with member of the Ministry of Health and government officials followed. The Prime Minister Harris thanked the United States for the donation. We have seen the United States of America. The government there has emerged as a significant partner to us in the fight against the pandemic, the Prime Minister said. I'm delighted to participate in the historic handing over of this field hospital, an important first for the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis. I'm equally delighted another hospital will be commissioned on the island of Nevis. In addition to the two field hospitals, the United States donations also include two vans and technology equipment for the National Emergency Management Agency and a van and forklift for the Nevis Disaster Management Department. The donations valued over 1.3 million U.S. dollars will help respond to the current surge of COVID-19 cases and support the National Emergency Operations Center in Bastyr to prepare for future challenges. The donation was made possible through the United States military U.S. Southern Command Humanitarian Assistance Program. It included a four-day training on the setup, teardown, and storage of the field hospitals with the U.S. manufacturer Western Shelter. More than 30 members of fire, police, military, and administrative health services participated in the exercise with a National Emergency Management Agency and the Nevis Disaster Management Department. Barbados Today via CMC reports that the Caribbean Council Secretary General Dr. Carla Barnett will address the United Nations Security Council on Friday when it meets to discuss the ongoing situation in Haiti. St. Vincent and Grenadines Prime Minister Dr. Ralph Gonzalez has said, Gonzales speaking on a radio program hosted by his ruling United Labor Party on Tuesday night said that Barnett will become the first CARICOM Secretary General to address the United Nations Security Council of which St. Vincent and Grenadine is a member. It will be the first time, as far as I'm aware, that the Secretary General of CARICOM will be addressing the Security Council. It is a big, big moment for CARICOM, for Africa, and for Haiti. And we hope this brings about a framework for genuine, real stability and the sustainability development of Haiti, said Gonzalez, one of the longest-serving prime ministers in the 15-member regional grouping. We are trying to lay out the framework, but of course the Haitian people are the ones who will determine this, he said, adding that Prime Minister Ariel Henry, as well as other representatives of non-governmental organizations, have been invited to participate in the event. Gonzalez says that the UN meeting, which is set for 3 p.m. on Friday, is being convened by three non-permanent council members from Africa plus St. Vincent and the Grenadines. This particular exercise is being led by St. Vincent and the Grenadines. We are having a meeting of the Security Council done under a formula which is fairly informal. But it is the first time there is a discussion at the Security Council on Haiti. 
led by countries other than the United States or France or Canada or Britain. Obviously, wherever we go, we need their resources to help the rebuilding of Haiti. But St. Vincent and the Grenadines has been the lead country in this regard. We are the current chair of the Security Council for this month, and we have this link between the three African countries and ourselves. And they said, go ahead. And we have put forward a set of proposals, and everything is meshing. Haiti has plunged into socioeconomic and political uncertainty as it prepares for presidential elections following the assassination of President Jovenel Moïse on July 7th and the August 24th earthquake. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that the U.S. Virgin Islands Governor Albert Bryan on Wednesday applauded the $2.15 million in grants awarded by the U.S. Department of Interior Office of Insular Affairs to the Government of the Virgin Islands and the VI Water and Power Authority to advance their efforts towards electrifying their vehicle fleets, stating that the funds marked the beginning of the government operations fleet efficiency and electrification transformation or go fleet according to the virgin islands government house mr bryan said go fleet is part of his administration's overarching initiatives towards alternative energy cost efficiency in government and protecting the environment the U.S. Office of Insular Affairs awarded $1.15 million to the government of the Virgin Islands, which has already purchased a new Nissan Leaf electric car for the office of the governor in each district, and $1 million for the Water and Power Authority, which said it will use to begin developing hybrid and electric fleet vehicles that include bucket and pickup trucks, as well as associated vehicles used to regularly maintain the territory's electric grids. The U.S. Virgin Islands Energy Office Director Kyle Fleming said the funding from the Office of Insular Affairs will also be used to support the development of a network of charging stations throughout the U.S. Virgin Islands territory and comply with Act 7075, which mandates that the government of the Virgin Islands adopt an energy-efficient fleet management plan. To that end, the VI Energy Office, in collaboration with the USBI Department of Property and Procurement's Transportation and Sustainability Teams, have been assessing the current fleet inventory and developing optimized vehicle procurement standards, Director Fleming said. To drive this initiative further, the VI Energy Office has sought out a number of strategic partnerships with multiple industry leaders. Bloomberg Philanthropies, the Secunda Family Foundation, and the Electrification Coalition will support the VI Energy Office to develop a territory-wide transportation electrification roadmap and the broader electrification of the territory's transportation sector, Mr. Fleming said. According to an article in the University of Miami's News, 
Naresh Kumar, a professor of environmental health at the University of Miami, has documented dangerous levels of poisonous chemicals in Guanica Bay for the past seven years and has spearheaded outreach efforts to raise awareness about the problem and to have the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency designate the area for management and cleanup. Residents of Guanica, Puerto Rico have long known about the troubled past of pollution that has plunged the waters of the small inlet situated off their town's southern coast. Edgardo Cruz, a retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel who grew up in the town of more than 16,000, can recall vividly the story his father told him about the tanker that spilled thousands of gallons of oil into the bay nearly 60 years ago, turning its waters black. He was a fisherman and had to go miles and miles offshore just to make his living, Cruz recalled. Other residents, especially the elders, remember how the town's fertilizer plant used to produce ammonium sulfate and sulfuric acid in the 1950s and 1960s, dumping its untreated waste into the inlet. Today, Guanica Bay is once again at the center of a contamination crisis, and the University of Miami scientist is helping to bolster efforts aimed at abating the problem. Raising awareness is just a part of the solution, said Narish Kumar, a professor of environmental health at the Miller School of Medicine's Department of Public Health Sciences, who since 2014 has been tracking and documenting elevated levels of a group of harmful chemicals called polychlorinated biphenols, or PCBs, in Guanica's scenic bay. Seven years ago, Kumar and his team tested sediment samples from three locations in Guanica Bay, discovering that they contain the second largest levels of PCBs ever recorded anywhere in the world, second only to those found in Canada's St. Lawrence River in 1995, Kumar said. Their testing revealed PCB levels higher than those detected by scientists from the National Oceanic and Administrative Administration, who analyzed sediment from the bay shortly before Kumar's team. Since his team's initial testing of sediment from the bay, contamination at the site has spiked two years after Hurricane Maria's devastated the island in 2017. Kumar and his team returned to Guanica to conduct follow-up analyses of the sediment, finding that PCB levels had increased threefold. But it is what they found during a different kind of sampling that raised more serious concerns. Elevated levels of the chemical in blood samples taken from 150 Guanica residents, which suggests some of the townspeople consume fish from the bay. If any location qualifies to be a Superfund site by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, it is the area surrounding Guanica Bay, according to Kumar. The Superfund Program Center on Cleaning Up Contaminated Areas 
and such a designation would force parties responsible for the contamination to either clean up the site or reimburse the government for EPA-led cleanup work. The U.S. EPA will not make a final decision on the site until it has reviewed comments received from interested stakeholders, said EPA spokesperson Stephen McBay who added that the agency's next update on the OCA site is expected in March 2022. Kumar remains optimistic that the EPA will designate Guanica's site as a Superfund location. We've clearly shown that some children from the community swim in the bay and that some people are catching and eating fish from it, he said. So there's an obvious link to human exposure. And finally, St. Lucia Times reports that Virgin Atlantic completed its inaugural flight from London Heathrow to St. Vincent and the Grenadines, the island's only direct service to and from Europe. The twice-weekly service flies via Barbados and departs every Wednesday and Sunday, operating on the airline A33300 aircraft. The new route complements Virgin Atlantic's recent announcement of the Bahamas to Heathrow service, which launches on November 19, and the launch of its seasonal winter service from St. Lucia to London Heathrow beginning on December 18. Hannah Swift, country manager, Caribbean at Virgin Atlantic, commented, We couldn't be more excited to launch the first flight from St. Vincent and the Grenadines to Europe with our new twice-weekly service. We're currently flying to the UK from Barbados, Jamaica, Antigua, and Grenada, and expect to restart Tobago and Havana, Cuba in the upcoming months. We also look forward to launching new services from the Bahamas as well as St. Lucia as we continue to expand our services from the Caribbean to the UK. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, October 14th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and follow us on Facebook.